Hello, and welcome to Zap the Gender Pay Gap, the podcast series where we expose the elephant in the room. The elephant's name, the gender pay gap. I am coming to you from Memphis, Tennessee, located on the banks of the mighty Mississippi River. Nestled in the southwest corner of the state, Memphis is home to the blues, barbecue, and so much more. I am your host, Gwendolyn Tucker. Thank you so very much for joining me for this episode of Zap the Gender Pay Gap. I am your host, Gwendolyn Tucker. Look for me on Apple, Spotify, Google, and YouTube. Also, please like and subscribe. I hope you had a wonderful week. I did. My husband and I got a chance to take some time away, attend our nephew's wedding celebration. Just relax. We found this wonderful cottage in Pensacola, Florida called the Pensacola Lighthouse Retreat. We love to scout out Airbnbs, and this one definitely did not disappoint. It was quaint, quiet, and cozy. Why, even the birds woke up late. We loved it. No, we don't have any stake in this claim, but I did want to share a wonderful experience. Now, on last week's episode, I talked with you about why women earn less than men. I stated the top three contributing factors. And if you got a chance to listen, you may recall what those are. I also shared from a recent study by Pew Research Center on why the gender wage gap endures in the U.S. I even put a link in the show notes, so plan to take a, take a look and take a listen at last week's episode. But here's a snippet. According to Pew Research Center, the gender pay gap, the difference between the earnings of men and women, has barely closed in the United States in the past two decades. In 2022, American women typically earned 82 cents for every dollar earned by men. That was about the same as in 2002, 20 years, when they earned 80 cents to the dollar. The slow pace at which the gender pay gap has narrowed this century contrasts sharply with the progress in the preceding two decades. In 1982, women earned just 65 cents to each dollar earned by men. The report states that there is no single explanation for why progress toward narrowing the pay gap has all but stalled in the 21st century. Family needs can influence the types of jobs women and men pursue, contributing to gender segregation across occupations. Differential treatment of women, including gender stereotypes and discrimination, may also play a role. Pew Research noted that the gender wage gap varies widely by race and ethnicity. So why do I believe women earn less than men? I'm glad you asked. I do believe that there is no one-size-fits-all and that this is seemingly or sounds like a simple question, but it has a very complex answer. If I boiled it down to three things, I'd say the top three reasons why women earn less than men are the following. Women are underestimated, underrated, and undercompensated. Let me say that again. Women are often underestimated, regarded as less capable than we actually are. Women are often underrated, not valued highly enough for our contribution. Women are often undercompensated, paid a lower 
wage or salary than is warranted. Whether underestimated, underrated, or undercompensated, the net result is women in the workplace are often underpaid. Let's take a look at underestimated. In layman's terms, or shall I say lay women's terms, it's when someone thinks you don't have the juice. You know, you don't have the ability to get the job done. It can be a supervisor, hiring manager, or someone who is a decision maker in the situation. Let me give you an example. I shared this one in episode 12, which was it's entitled Why the Gender Pay Gap Exists. I believe it is a perfect example of what it means to be underestimated. I had the privilege of being in the room with Alexis Herman to hear her tell her part of the story about her career. If you recall, she served as the 23rd Secretary of Labor under President Bill Clinton. The first African-American to become the Secretary of Labor, Alexis M. Herman, was born in Mobile, Alabama, and graduated from Xavier University in New Orleans in 1969. With her bachelor's of sociology in hand, she returned to Mobile, Alabama, seeking a job opportunity. Again and again, she was told that the best job she could get would be as a job as a secretary. You see, in those days, women could only get certain jobs, especially Black women. So getting a job as a secretary was seen as a really good job. Not to be outdone, Alexis landed a job at Catholic Charities as a social worker, and it was up from there. Later in her career, she said she'd love to find those people who told her she was only qualified to be secretary. She said, yes, she became a secretary, the Secretary of Labor for the United States of America. I just love that story. Yes, Alexis Herman was underestimated, but she did not let someone else's opinion of her lower her estimation of herself. Question, can you relate to being underestimated? Can you point to a time, maybe not so far in your distant past, that you were underestimated? I know I can. Let me tell you about it. I was pretty well into my career and got caught up in an acquisition. At the time, it seemed like the worst thing that could happen. But as I look back, it turned out well. As a result of the acquisition, I had the opportunity to make to take on a position in a new area. I hopped from finance and accounting to IT. It was related to implementing financial systems, and I was in the role of SAP Change Management Consultant. I enjoyed the position, but it was the boss that was the problem. He didn't want me on his team, and he let me know. One day he said to me, you were not my first choice. Uh-oh, what in the world had I gotten myself into? I had met with him before I accepted the job, thought I had done my due diligence, and now this? Well, I later found out that he felt forced to take me on his team. He wasn't the decision maker. His boss was. So his boss didn't let him have what he wanted. So you know who got some of the blowback? Yes, me. I think what probably bothered him the most was that he didn't have the final say on the projects I got to work on. And they were pretty visible projects. Anywho, one day during one of our one-to-ones, I updated him on a project I was working on. 
And he flat out said, he didn't think I could do it. He said, there was no way I could get it done by the deadline. Challenge, it was on. I don't take too well to someone telling me what I can't do, especially when I know I can. Guess what? I did it. Yeah. But also, guess what? When I did it, guess what he said? Not nary a word until three weeks later. He said, oh, yeah, I meant to congratulate you on getting that done. By then, it was too late. It rang hollow. At that point, I didn't need nor want his congrats. So why do I share these two examples of being underestimated? One, there are times when we will be underestimated, even at work. Two, at the time, it may seem devastating, but we have to do some positive self-talk to retain our sense of self. And three, when we are underestimated, we have to determine what to do about it. I am a fan of crime dramas, especially British crime dramas. I stumbled upon a series called An Unsuitable Job for a Woman. Take that, note that title, if you will. An Unsuitable Job for a Woman. It's based upon the book by P.D. James. P.D. James, by the way, is Phyllis Dorothy James. In it, Cordelia Gray, the lead actress, has just inherited an investigative agency. We call her a private detective. I love this scene where a female comes in who was sent by her boss to inquire about the firm, and she's looking for a male detective. So she is quite taken aback when she finds that the private detective is a woman. Anyway, she offers to take Cordelia to her boss and says, it might be worth a couple of hours of your time. Then she added, you do understand that he's quite capable of not offering you the job. I love Cordelia's reply. Of course, she says, and I hope you do understand. I'm quite capable of not accepting it. Touche. I love that scene. Now the question is, what do you do when you are underestimated? Accepting someone else's lower opinion of ourselves doesn't serve us well, neither in the short term nor the long term. Why do I say that? Because whether underestimated, underrated, or undercompensated, the net result is women in the workplace are often underpaid. Now, in this fight for equality, we have come a long way, baby. But guess what? We still have a long way to go. Now, I've mentioned this before, and it bears repeating again. I created this podcast series to do three things to expose the elephant in the room, to disclose some pertinent facts about this elephant, but more importantly, to dispose of the effects of this elephant in the room. Because women, we work hard for our money. We might as well take home all of it. And I would love to show you how. If you're ready, reach out to me at GwendolynJTucker.com. I'd love to talk with you more. Oh my word, where did the time go? Time's up for this episode, but please join me next week as I discuss another top challenge that women face in the workplace that results in us being underpaid. I do thank you so very much for joining me today, and I look forward to seeing you next Wednesday at noon Central Standard Time for the next episode of Zap the Gender Pay Gap. Until then, please be well. 
thank you for joining me for this episode of Zap the Gender Pay Gap. Please rate, review, and subscribe to or follow me wherever you get your favorite podcast. I am your host, Gwendolyn Tucker. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.